Welcome. Yes, we are on. Welcome to the Neighbors Live Cast. I'm Super Dave, aka Mr. Incredible. And with me, as always, are the people that make the Neighbors Live Cast neighborish. Uh, starting with our feminine energy, Miss uh, Fruit Fit herself, Patrice Jones. How you doing? Hey, 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 doing great. Had a great day. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And the young lady with the velvety smooth voice, Miss Aisha Green. How you doing? Hello, David. There you go. Hello, David. <laughs> <laughs> My man, <laughs> just Mike. What's up, brother? I'm, I'm looking at Joe Claire Boogers right now. What's going on with his boogers? <laughs> and I'm not trying to see his boogers. And we got a great show for y'all today because our guest today, uh, we had him scheduled last week, uh, I mean, a couple of weeks ago during what I was calling uh, Top Five Month here on the Neighbors Live cast. And the reason I called it that because all the guests were top five and they um, given respective genres. Uh, but the reason that uh, I called it Top Five was really for everybody else that was coming on because this dude is probably top three in everything he does except for radio shows, which he's top two and he's not two. <laughs> he's an actor, he's a writer, he's a rapper, he's a producer, one of the funniest comedians to ever pick up the mic and the number one radio show in the DMV bears his name. Of course, I'm talking about Joe Claire. What's up, brother? How are you? What's good? What's good? What's good? What's good? I was wondering who y'all was talking about. I was like, man. What niggas they introduced? <laughs> <laughs> well, do I got to go up after that nigga? Because that nigga sounds incredible. Hey, man, he does. He does. Yeah, and that's not even everything you do, man. I'm so glad that you were able to come through and kick it with us, man. Uh, you do so much. Uh, like I said, what I what I said in the intro isn't even everything that you do, but we're really excited and glad to have you here. So we're going to get into it. Uh, but at first, there's a couple of things I want to talk about, a few things going on in the city, in the country, in the world. Um, and so uh, you talked on your show, actually, um, I believe this morning about um, the, the comments that Kamala Harris uh, made and uh, how she uh, agreed with, uh, what's his name, Tim Scott? Yeah, man. Well, you know, it was... The, the first thing out of my mouth was, you know, that was par for the course for a politician yeah. and a, a politician of her stature. She's the vice president of the United States of America, former attorney general for the state of California. That 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 answer came straight out the textbook. Right. For, right. I used to be the attorney general of the state of California. They got a textbook. And if you open that, Jonas, it's right there. Uh, do you think America's racist? No. <laughs> America is not racist. You can't say there it, are right? racist things that we must deal with, but I do not think that uh, you know what I'm saying it was like right. a textbook answer. Right, right, right. So it made sense, but it was disheartening to see because at this point in time in America, we uh, all black people are waiting for politicians to be as blunt as the force that works against us or the forces that work against us. We think that we thought, I thought that after the 2020 uh, uprising and, and what happened in the streets that we would start seeing politicians be a lot more, um, um, less politicized than they answers right, and just right. keep it a buck 50. Yeah. And we want, that's what we wanted to see. Um, but you know, it's Kamala Harris. She's the, she's the vice president of the United States. She ain't going to say that. Right. Um, I, uh, uh, something, uh, a comment in, under my post said that uh, a sister said, well, you know, come on, man. If she'd have bit down on that joint, the GOP would have came back and used that as a sound bite two years later to make sure she don't never 
run for no other office yeah. ever right. again. Right. So, and and you and if you if you Kamala Harris, <laughs> you gotta you gotta you gotta message. Do you want Wakanda on your team? <laughs> or do you want the good old boys on your right. team? <laughs> you that's, see who she going with. And Tim Scott, go ahead, man. Hey, yeah, Tim Scott, man. I would say this. Can I, can I cuss on it? No, what no, no. We are strictly <laughs> don't fucking cuss at all. Okay. <laughs> What's up, Jay? How you been, Jay? Good to see you, Jay. <laughs> Tell him, Jay, we don't cuss on this motherfucker right here, man. Hell fucking no. <laughs> What's up, bro? So let me just say this, man. Tim Scott is one of them. I don't get no pussy ass niggas, man. <laughs> you can tell. You can just tell, ladies. I don't know if y'all can tell, but me and the fellas can tell. When a nigga don't get no pussy, you can tell Tim Scott don't get no pussy, even from his wife. Right. Like, like <laughs> I don't mean like no pussy out in the streets. I mean, right. like in general, at home, he, he ain't getting no pussy. He right. don't. He don't. He can't. He he not. He not. He not busting off. And if he is buzzing off, he ain't breaking nobody down. I'm gonna say that much. He got, he not, you know, it's, it's no quality. Uh uh. He ain't never, he ain't never put on a smoke the blunt, put on two Fox greatest hits, and then wore your back out. See, I'm one of them. Oh my God. You ain't, you ain't laying yeah, down. Last time I've been there before. This too much. This too much for me. This too much. We too much. We went too much. No, they keep on, Joe. <laughs> hey, listen, I, listen, I'm trying to keep black households together. These are the, ties, these, these are the ties that bind. And I'm telling you, Friday night, she, the lady upstairs in this house, know that Friday nights, if I come in here and I smell like Alize and Hennessy, that's thug passion. Thug passion, <laughs> And hey. she know what it's finna be. Back in elementary, strive on this Let me alone, I grow up a bunch of times to read. So I'm a mind to find a place to rest. Until I got this third life. 1996. Look at you. Look at you. I'm done with Mike. Hold on. Hold on real quick. We got a surprise guest. My brother, Jason, came back. Yeah. He's been working on his... He's been working yeah. good to see him. Good to see Focusing him. Focusing on the music career and it's been popping, man. Shout out to El President El Presidente, the mixtape. Doing big things. Uh we can do the single that's popping everywhere. What's up with you, Jason? Hold on, let me give you the proper intro. Oh, hey. Hey. Here we go. The SE3 representative. Hey. DC's native son. Hey. The one and only Jason. <laughs> Welcome, sir. Hey, thank you for having me. Hey, yeah. With Jay Sunk, I want everything get blocked. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I get a little change. I'm already in Facebook jail. Like, this can't even show up on my, on my feed because I'm already in Facebook jail. So there's that. Oh, man. <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> look, when Jay Sunk came on the screen, Jean Michel Bastiat started talking to me. He said, Jay Sunk. What's up, bro? Welcome back, man. How you been? It's, it's good. It's good to be back, man. I'm well, man. You know, uh, you know, the, the the name of the show is called Neighborish, and the only yeah. reason I'm back because Dave is actually my next door neighbor. I'm in my driveway <laughs> working on my truck. And you're like, yeah, you know, Joe's on tonight. He was like, I'm gonna send you the link. I'm like, hi, nigga. And then somebody <laughs> actually posted. Uh, the the flyer uh, for the show, 
It was like, yeah, my man Jay Sun gonna be on with Joe Claire. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm fucking obligated. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know you took that break to work on your music. Yeah, you know what they, think I'm still, they think I'm still on the show. So I was right. like, I'm gonna come on, case somebody like come on, checking for me. Right, right. Well, I appreciate you. Brother. Then I log on. You, I hear Joe talking this wild ass shit. I'm like, oh my god, why? Well, I, do. I left. <laughs> I do. Talk about you expect politicians to be talking real or not. Really? That's what you expect, nigga? That's what he said. I expect her. I ex- I, I would love really? to see I, I don't believe you. This this ain't PGC, <laughs> nigga. So you really you really expect politicians to be going harder now. That's what you expect. No, 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 no. No, that's, that's what not what I said. That is what, what you I said. said. No, I that's said not what he said. I said post what we saw 2020, we would love to see. And I have seen some, some people on the on the, on in the lower, like uh Trayon ain't Trayon's been going super hard. Hold on, Trayon, yeah. let me finish. Trayon don't count. Hold Trayon on, came no, no, for let me, me finish. I, you know, you Trayon, I got a cat down in the eight. I got a I got a council member down in Atlanta. This nigga started wearing his pistol on his hip. I got a nigga in Detroit. Been going hard. So what I'm saying is, I would love to see our black politicians really go hard and say the things that we have been at, wishing they would say in this country for the hundreds and hundreds of years we've been catching hell. However, once it came out, when it came out her mouth, it didn't, it didn't shock me. It didn't surprise me one bit. It was a little disheartening. You want to hear her say, yeah, y'all motherfuckers is racist. Right, right. Hell yeah, this right. Joe racist. I got to designate that I'm... <laughs> Kamala Harris about 16 minorities, Joe, and she used all them jokes every time she gets introduced. The first black South Asian woman of color with freckles from a, you know what I'm saying? Hermaphrodite. (laughs) 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 Now listen. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna do that to the sister because nah, that was a joke. I'm sorry, Kamala. It was, it was funny. And let's not forget, at this point, ladies and gentlemen, she all we got. No, I mean, no, nigga, speak for yourself. Mm-hmm. Who else we got? Who else we got, bro? Who else we got? We don't got nobody. Say it again. <laughs> okay. On a political, in a political realm, on a national or international level. No, we don't have any representation at all. She all you got. And like, Jay, that's why you that's that why category. that's why this show show always. You hear me? That's why <laughs> this show show, bro. You hear that's me? Why I, Cause I came that's on right. a little late and I heard Joe talking and shit. I'm like, what the fuck is Joe talking nah, about? Nah, nah, you, 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 you gotta hear the whole thing. <laughs> well, hold on. I came in late, I came in late though. Don't alienate the don't alienate the guests. That's his opinion, man. No, but, no, 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 no. Well, I mean, me and Joe know each other. He knows me. I told you. I said when it when he come on, everything get blocked. It did. It did. <laughs> I knew it was coming on. I'm sorry, y'all. No, I knew I'm it was sorry. Right you right I'm not right sorry. Do me a favor, Jay. Yeah. Jay, light a beady or something so everybody understand how black you about to keep it. Smoke a clove <laughs> cigarette. <laughs> I like the sage up. I like the sage up for you. Like yeah, I know that's right. Paulo Santo. Point, I mean, Jay, here's the thing. This is the reason I love Jay because he does not. He does not. Uh, 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 he does not sway. Right. In his, no. in his obligation and uh, 
you know, straight up and down 100% holding down of us. Right. Of, and, and specifically, let me say this, of the, um, the sector of us who needs that voice the most. Right. right. So, yeah. so I'm always going to respect and love where he come from. Um, does it rub you a little harshly? Yeah, it make your, your neck burn a little bit. <laughs> Fuck that. This America, I'm used to a little well, neck burn. Need, I get, right. I get, I've been getting shape up since I was three, so I'm used to a little, <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to a little neck burn. Right, right, right. But when you hey, when you say uh, the 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 sector of our community that needs it the most, um, I don't know if you know about uh, Cedar United, the organization that he found. You founded it, right, Jay? You started yeah. it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't, I know he don't like me giving him accolades about it, but um, after the young man uh, was shot behind our uh, house, uh, what was it, Fourth uh, of July last year? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh Davon McNeil, Day Day McNeil. Yeah, Day Day uh -huh. McNeil. Yeah. He started an organization. He went out there. First of all, Jay always been out there, y'all know. But uh he, he went out there because these are kids that he know personally that he's seen growing up and all this. So he uh started talking to the parents, talking to the people in uh in that area back there and you know, started an organization, you know, to start uh like stop talking about what people don't do and but that's always exactly. been the way he is like like he told me that one time we was talking about music like why he got into music it was like i can't just talk about not being no good music out there i gotta jump in there myself if i'm gonna tell people it's not good i gotta show them what good music is and so he always been that type of dude so um i know you don't like when i shout you out for stuff like that but it's so dope man i got to every time i get a chance man i appreciate what you do i appreciate you and, uh man. yeah Stop, stop faking and start asking these people for donations, man. So you can feel safe. Well, you know, yeah. you know uh, I yeah, don't. You see, I don't <laughs> see none of that in that man right there. He ain't asking for that man working and getting his, man. Man, no, keep yeah. running, bro. Don't stop. I, I appreciate running. it, man. But uh, you know, I'm real curious to see what y'all got lined up for Joe, uh, which is one of the reasons why I logged on tonight, man. Because you know, a lot of the, a lot of the reasons why I left the show. Uh, it has to do with, you know, with the uh, extra uh, effort involved in the community and try to build an organization from from the grassroots, from, you know, I right. guess, the mud. And, uh, you know, I'm, so I'm, I'm curious to know what you have formatted for Joe, because I definitely have a lot of things that I want to ask him, you know, man, oh, yeah. man, uh, in regards to like being somewhat of a public figure. And I kind of understand a little bit of Joe's upbringing and background based off our conversations and you know there are a lot of similarities and through lines with our understanding of things especially being in uh media and uh so i, I just got a lot to uh you know that i want to uh ask but i also trust the show and dave and how you format you know how the show is mm -hmm. going to go so i just I'm, I'm gonna try to find my spots where i feel you know appropriate questioning you know, uh, comes hey, man, in mind. You know how we used to do it, man. You know how it is. And it's funny, I just had that conversation with Mike uh, before the show about, you know, uh, the, the give and take and how we, you know, ask questions and things like that. And so making sure that we appropriate and not cutting each other off. Our goal is to always get better. Like I told Mike, man, my goal is to be one of the biggest uh, podcasts in DC by the end of the year. And so um, uh, having you here, Joe, is helping me a whole lot. So anyway, let's get into <laughs> it, man. Let's get it popping. Uh, yeah, ask so, Joe some shit. So I'm, I'm about to like hop in like double Dutch. Okay. Right. <laughs> oh, hop in like a jab, nigga. You ain't fooling nobody. 
Well, no, I mean, actually, I mean, like, for real, Joe, like, you, you were, uh, I'm just fucking with you. I've only, I've only jumped in <laughs> one other time, uh, and that was when we did the, the interview with Trayon and uh, brother Malcolm from City Beats when they had that, that, yes, sir, you know, that conflict online. And so that was the only other show that I was like, right, I think I need to get involved to see what's up. So I figured this interview also has those type, has those type of uh, uh, meaningful uh, conversations in regards to our community. Um, so it's not really about me or about you, but I, I kind of have a sense of where your mind is at and how you think. And you are also uh, a voice of the people on a day-to-day -day basis. And I have questions myself that I think would benefit from your audience and our audience just for us, you know, along with the rest of the, uh, the, the show, the, the cast, uh, to have uh, in real time. So that's okay. what I'm like, yeah, I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so, so with that, speaking about, um, Joe, you being a voice of the community and everything, uh, every morning, um, you do uh, something called uh, your moment of clarity, or yes, most of the time you do the moment of clarity. Um, a lot of stuff that you say um, affects and helps a lot of people on a regular basis. Um, how did that come about, like you doing that, first of all? And how much thought do you put into how much it affects like people's lives on a regular basis? So I, that came about from, uh, from my dear mother, um, who is, thank you so much, who you alluded to is, uh, She's fighting her own fight right now. Mm -hmm. um, when I was a kid, uh, back when I was when I was a little little kid, my mother was uh, you know was one of those people who was a free thinker for the times, and so um, she had grown up in the Baptist church. She had grown up um, you know living a, the life that a, a good Christian woman was supposed to, and she realized that um, some of the things that were in those doctrines just did not fit the path or fit the life plan that she had for herself and her children. Mm -hmm. And so she decided to, I, I, I'll never forget it. And I thought it was the greatest thing ever. I was eight and my mom was like, all right, well, if you guys don't want to go to church no more, it's up to you. We were like, what? <laughs> what, 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 what you mean? Like today? It was Sunday when she said, I was like, today? <laughs> we don't want to go where you got to go? And you know, I'm saying like, ah, you know, and we, we right. cause we was, you know, it was, it was, I was an eight year old in church. Right. But what it, what, what it really did is it put more, it actually put more obligation on me to understand my spiritual life at a very early age, mm -hmm. understand uh, what I, you know, get to my beliefs and get to my core beliefs early, early, early in life. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, she, she was one of those people that said to me, you know, that, there are a whole bunch of religions and there's no religion. You're going to have to decide for yourself while you're here on the planet what's going to go on in your life. And, man, I, you know, that blew my mind when I was 14, 15 years old. Wow. But she was also saying to me, you now have to take your life in your hands mm -hmm. and go make it. The, you know, at that point, I was, <laughs> I was starting to get a little, uh, you know, things was getting a little dicey and seat plastic in, in, in pepper mill. Right. And so she just said, and so we moved to Bright Sea Road as if that was any better. <laughs> and, and so she was, she was, she was giving me things that will make me that I see now 
will help me hold my head mm. through here in America, being black, being, um, you know, being somewhat of a creative and a, and a, and a loud mouth. Um, she gave me that. So I always wanted to be able to spread some type of either motivation or inspiration that while well, I didn't have to, to actually count on scripture all the time, because everybody doesn't relate to scripture the same way. Right. And, and, and I wanted to be able to speak um, some of the truths that I knew mm. and speak things that would empower people, um, whoever, whatever religious um, class, uh, uh, socioeconomic, race, anything, hopefully give something that, that is enlightening and motivating and inspiring you know, for the day out of that 60 seconds because the rest of the day is little Uzi burton now. Right. Mm. Right. Yeah. And so for me, that was my that was my caveat. That was my all right, cool. Um, you know, our music is not the greatest music in America these days. Uh we talk about a lot of dark images and a lot of dark imagery in the music. It is extremely popular. What can I do to 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 do my little part of being a responsible person on the edge, I'll say, person in the community, all right, let's start with this moment of clarity. You notice is that it's the first thing we do in the morning. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. Jay, Jay, did you raise your, did you do a Patrice and raise yeah. your hand? You, that's not how we now, do I, it. I've been away for a while. I'm trying to do my turn. <laughs> yeah, Jay, good. He kind of he answered my question, man, because, you know, a lot of the reasons, well, one of the reasons why I stepped away from doing the podcast is that, I, you know, I'm somewhat on like the spiritual journey. Mm. And um, I, I, I'm just tired of like talk and sound bites. And, you know, you mentioned like how our music is terrible, right? And so I always wondered, I, because, you know, I just know you now. I was like, why? Wow, I wonder how that affects him, like being on the radio. But, you know, the, the radio being, you know, uh, controlled by the owners who have an emphasis and a, an agenda to kind of manipulate our, our people through music. And it's a known agenda, you know, at this point in, in 2021, you know, I think within the past 30 to 40 years, people have kind of figured out like, oh, that's why it's called programming. So mm -hmm. these songs and these record labels and these program directors have an agenda to kind of manipulate our culture in a way that benefits the, the owners, you know, so the bankers and the corporations. And so I was like, wow. So it's like, you know, as a, as an on-air personality, having a general understanding of the intentional program designed specifically for our community to ensure, you know, death and misogyny and, you know, drug usage. And, you know what I'm saying? It's like, wow, how does he deal with that? So I guess in your, in your question, that moment of clarity is a way to combat it. And, and also, and this is a question, but keep some level of sanity in the midst of being bombarded with those lyrics and those frequencies and vibrations mm -hmm. for four to six hours every day. So, so for for me, the um, the 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 absolute love for um, you know black expression, you know, Jason. A long time ago, I had to come to grips with the fact that what I believe should have been isn't necessarily what um, people were going to make. Uh, people were going to gravitate to what uh, the then what system what the systems was going to use, you know. Um, I, I remember 
this, this is a story I tell a lot. Um, back when I was working at BET, there was a, a, a company-wide meeting. Mm. Um, you know, all the employees, which meant all the employees in D.C., all the employees in New York would, you know, it was a teleconference, mm. Chicago teleconference, L.A. So it's, you know, all the BET employees. And I got up in front of, you know, Bob Johnson and, and Deborah Lee and, and all the rest of them. They had mics to, for us to ask questions. Mm. And at this time, I, I wasn't even really a real BET employee. I was, I was a freelance. So, so I was a hired, all the years I was on Rap City, they hired my company as opposed to me working for BET. You understand what I'm saying? Anyway. I wasn't so I, an associate. Wasn't even associate. Yeah. I was just a, like a vendor. I, right. <laughs> they paid me like, like I was a nigga who did chips or something. Right. I, was a, <laughs> I was a vendor. Anyway. And people are getting up and asking questions, and I'm watching the questions. Now, y'all got to remember, I had just came, come out of Morgan State University. Um, I was steeped in, um, in everything Black culture from, from the, 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 the most elite Black experience you can experience all the way down to my, my niggas in my hub. You feel <laughs> what I'm saying? I was us. And... I felt, even then, I felt that there was a need for this type of thing. So I get up in front of this entire crowd and I asked Bob Johnson, I asked, I asked Mr. Johnson if BET was going to expand its children's program. Mm. At the time, they used to have Gullah Gullah Island used to come on in the morning mm -hmm. and, you know, some other little stuff around it. So I asked if they were going to do more of that and you should have heard the gasp that went across that motherfucking room, man, like... And at, that's when I realized, Jay, that I was, I was in where I, where I was in over my head as far as my spiritual journey, my spiritual understanding, what I knew. Um, I was in way over my head. And so if I'm going to, if I'm going to do anything, well, guess what? I'm going to try and be a rational voice, an entertaining voice, because you can't make no bread without no entertainment, a rational voice. And I had to come to grips with the fact that, you know, um, is e even, even 20 years ago, 30 years ago now, 91, the music was misogynistic. The music was violent. The music was dark. Uh, those frequencies were there. I know our, our generation loves to romanticize. This new shit ain't nothing, but I will never forget the day. And that for everybody listening, the first day I heard um, the line, what about the bitch who got shot? Fucker. You think I give a damn about a bitch? I ain't a sucker. That jump just hmm. shook me to my core. Who was that? Who said that? Right. That was easy. -E. Oh, damn. Well, NWA. The movie that got Oscars and shit. Right, right. Yeah. You feel me? For the same reasoning I'm talking about. Right, yeah. And I could not believe, I couldn't but And it wasn't that, Jay, and here go the thing, Jay, it wasn't that it was appalling to me that they sold it to us. Mm. The appalling part to me was how many niggas was buying it. Was loving it, yeah. And I could, I, and I mean, friends I grew up with, my man right here, my good dog who's on his way to be a professor, my man who's studying law, this guy right here, and they all are, you know, with the shit. 
And I'm like, hold on, man. Y'all ain't going back to KRS-One? We not going mm -hmm. back to Chuck D and them? What, 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 it, and, and I got a... I sort of got pushed out. Like, nah, we don't, we don't fuck with that joke. Not like that. And so I early, very, very early, Jay, I had to to come to grips with what I was into, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and um, like you said, that moment of clarity is kind of that your your effort at making that balance. It's that same thing. And then if you notice the stories that we bring, we try to I try to bring as much uh community stuff, as much um things about economic empowerment i'm yeah. slipping it in there hey there's a new program that's got this such and such and hoping yeah. Yeah. that my my niggas is listening yeah. and then they don't get offended because i'm right in the middle now yeah. the only fucked up part about being in the middle you the one get shot first right right <laughs> right. <laughs> right so it's it's it's, it's a it at times it's a scary place to be man yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Better you than me, nigga. You know, you know, what, I, you know what I wonder about, though? And I, <laughs> what, you know what I wonder about, though? And I wanted to ask you. <laughs> yeah, hold on. Let me... <laughs> hold up. <laughs> so these niggas is ruthless, man. Hey, 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 only man. say that because, you know, I was at BET, too, Joe. And I've had a similar experience. Actually, my resignation le letter is legendary at BET. You were just already gone. Who did, who did, who did you give it to? Renee Turner. Okay, I'm a check. I know Renee. Team, team Summit. So who was on my team? You know WAP? Yep. WAP was on my team. So you know me and WAP grew up together. Yeah, that's why, that's why, I, that's why I used the first one. But you know, you know Fran? Yes. Uh, yeah, so, so I was on Team Summit staff. My resignation letter is legendary, bro. Like, I went all the way in. And I didn't even Ooh. get fired. I was just like, I can't do this. I was like, this is just ridiculous. So that's why I, was, that's why I made that statement. Like, yeah, nigga, better you than me. Because I, at that time, I don't have the, uh, the balance that you have or the understanding of the balance. You know, I'm like, yo, we can't do this. We can't air this. And, you know, this is unacceptable. And it's like, I didn't, at the time, I just wasn't, willing to compromise the integrity of our people. But as I've gotten old, I understand what it is to be in the middle. And I understand that position. So it's no way I could ride somebody or, you know what I'm saying, uh, uh, get, give a, a, a one lane conversation to a person because it's so layered. And I don't think people understand that. And so that's why I appreciate the moment of clarity because in your position, that's is really all you can do is to mm. ensure that you add your essence to, you know what I'm saying, your, you know, your, your platform. Mm -hmm. Because you don't want to, because sometimes it's not wise to rock the boat. Right? And I'm a boat rocking motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, at this stage, we have to be agenda-based. And so right. if you rock right. yourself out the boat, they're going to put somebody else on the boat that's going to steer that motherfucker all the way the wrong way. So, right. but I didn't understand those things when I was at BET. I was gung ho, and uh, you still gung ho, nigga. Yeah, but I, but I work for myself though. Like yeah. I don't have to answer to anybody. I have to, you know, submit reports because you know I was doing, I was producing segments, and my segments was going hard. <laughs> my segments was going hard. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Nah. <laughs> nah, but what I was gonna say, um, it was it was something that uh Chappelle said uh, a couple of months ago when he put out um I think when he put out the <clears throat> the one about the, the stand-up that he did, well the, the discussion he did about George Floyd, and he uh, talked about how he can't even say some real stuff without wrapping it in a joke. Right. right. And so as as a comedian and like as somebody who has that platform, like do you feel that way? Is that like something that's you know that that's felt if, like if, accept it if it's not funny? Awesome. On some no bullshit. So um, I explained to Jay who my mother was. Um, my mother's, you know, she's, I never met anybody like her in my whole life. And one, of the, one day she sat me down and told me, make sure you choose your battles wisely. Right. Make sure, she said, especially you of all her children. Um, I have a, me and my father have a fiery temper. Mm. My dad, you know, my dad is, he come from the Haitians. Right, he's from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And if you go back, they both came from Haiti. That's how he got. He maybe my I think he's third generation Haitian. Right, still super fiery. He ain't gonna fight you. He is gonna crack this bottle and it's and it's well, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> this shit is real. And so, um, my mother understood very early that man, I gotta I have a fiery temper. I was growing up in Sea Pleasant. You already know what it is. And she explained to me that if you're going to go that route, by all means, go that route. But make sure you can knock niggas out when you're doing it. Because if not, mm -hmm. if you if you can't knock niggas out and keep knocking niggas out, you go, that's, that's going to be a short-lived path for you, Joseph. Right. <laughs> and it hurt to hear that. But I was like, uh, you know, I'm not that good at knocking niggas out. I've tried. And it, <laughs> it 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 didn't work. And I thought he was gonna fall like in the movies, and, and he didn't. It didn't. It didn't happen. So, <laughs> so the other thing was then I watched comedy, um, you know. And let's talk let's talk comedy as the way that we become comedians. I watched niggas from the streets use their mouth, and and the 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 funny part of being us to get out of going to jail, to, to, to make money, to uh, get out of getting their ass beat, to, uh, you know, talk to a woman and get her on his, you know what I'm saying? So I saw the strength and the power in that. Right. It takes some craft and some skill to be able to navigate. And as Dave Chappelle say, yeah, put these tough things inside of a joke so that you will recognize that I was really, I was really giving a political speech the whole time. Right. Mm -hmm. You might not catch it for a couple hours, a couple weeks, couple days, couple months, but you're gonna understand where the fuck I was really coming from in the end of the break. Yeah. With that said, uh, I also grew up in a time where I will not front materialism. I took the materialism and having nice shit like a fish to water or, or a chick to Miami. I need my shit. I grew up in the time where hustlers became hustlers. I watched, you know, 13 and 14 year old friends go purchase cars and, 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 and do those types of things. And, and I bought right into that. So my hustle, because at the time everybody was hustling, I was like, well, my hustle is I don't hit the streets, but I'm going to go have this life that I want. Using my mouth, using my brain, 
doing shit that's going to get me there. And so, you know, to be quite transparent, the two still live in me. I want to be a man who can provide for his wife and his kids, and I want to be able to give them the things that, you know, some of the stuff that we, we really want in this life. Um, you know, I've seen, you know, over time, a lot of this shit is bullshit, um, and you don't covet material things. I get that part, but you know, if she want, she she like to cook in them Cuisinart paint. I'm gonna buy her these motherfucking Cuisinart paint, <laughs> goddammit. And I'm gonna you tell enough jokes to get them Cuisinart paints. Well, the fucked up part about that is once your kids see Cuisinart paint, they think that's the norm. Right, right. <laughs> so you gotta keep. So so it turned. It went from I just like nice shit today. What am I setting up? To oh, this will we setting up. This is gonna be my legacy. Maybe let me make sure I give them all of this shit. <coughs> and so, so my kids, my kids, you know, they knew who Basquiat was by the time they was two and three. Mm. Um, they also know who, like, I got Miles Davis right there, I got Sean Price right there, I got Biggie and Nipsey right there, but I also had Sarah Vaughn, you know, Carmen McRae, and all them upstairs. Um and we give them, they, they get the date. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's Miles Davis. Can I go watch these motherfucking Paw Patrols? Right. So, that's 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 where I am with it. Um, yeah. Yeah. and so yeah, the comedy. The, I'm going to wrap this shit up in the comedy, bro. I have to. Yeah, definitely. And you um, you brought up your mom. Uh, uh Mike was telling me uh that he had done some research. Uh, some stuff I didn't know about her being a poet. You know what I'm saying? And and a couple of things. Mike spoke on the, on the last show. You know, and I looked, looked at some of her poems. Awesome. Her books, Four Men's Survive. When you say she's amazing, you're not, you're not lying. You're not lying. Yeah, she, um, if I can, for the ladies who's listening, you know, um, and I know this, this is an unpopular opinion, but watching how, you know, Black women have had to carve themselves a, a lane and an existence in America, oftentimes without <clears throat> us. Let's be. Let's just let's just keep it real. The forces that work against us to keep us apart. Um, women have have taken um, giant steps. And I watched my mother when she was forty years old say, "Well, she came home one day. She was like, I'm not. I don't go to work no more.' Jason, just like just, excuse me, Jason, just like you did at BT. I can't do this no more." She came home one day with four kids and a and a and a husband across town who was doing whatever the fuck he was doing at, at the time, um, and said, "I don't, I don't, I can't do that no more. I'm gonna go be a writer." And we was like, "Writer of what?" Because we heard these poems, and these motherfuckers don't rhyme. Ain't no, ain't no, ain't no, ain't no magical creatures in it or nothing. You gonna this? What you gonna be right? I mean, where's the where's the the, the princess and the dragon ain't no where's that shit ain't none of that shit and of course at the time i might have been i think i might have been 10 or 11. Mm. well she went back through undergraduate got a degree in english and went on to get a master's in creative writing and then you know wrote books that took her around the world and became a professor at gw wow. so you can imagine how i feel about women if i'm coming from bright sea road right and watching my niggas be my niggas and then watching women like my mother like take these fucking strides. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, watch my pop and hang on. 
if we're going to keep it a buck 50, watch my pop have a stereotypical reaction to it. Mm. For, for a long time, he was adversarial with that mm. process that she was going through because he didn't, he didn't see himself in that forward thing in the way she was going. Now, he saw himself, he was an attorney. Um, he worked for the Department of Education. And there was a trajectory that he had understood from back in the day. You bring your woman <laughs> with you. You bring your kids with you. We're going to go do it this way. And this is how it's going to be done. And so on and so forth. And my mother was like, well, since you live over there, <laughs> how about you do that over there at your house? Because you don't know how to act at this house. At this house, we're going to do it this way. And i never forget, for everybody who can hear me, man, before he passed, uh, we, were, we had a Christmas at my mother's house. And he was at my mother's house. And I had realized that this was the first time that they had been together in her home since I was, you know, a little kid. That, this is the first time they had been together. This is the first time he actually got to sit down and have Christmas dinner with us since I was five. And at this point, now at this point, this was when he was, I was uh, approaching him 50 at this point. So it tell you how long this process took for him to come around and he was, um, he had gotten wiser. Y'all remember how Mr. was at the end of Color Purple when he went down to the to the, <laughs> to the immigration place and made sure right. she got her sister back? Right, yeah, yeah. My pops was at that stage. Okay. And so, so you know, I'm kind of like walking, two, walking these two things where I gotta honor my mother but I also gotta honor my father. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, you 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 honor your mother and your father, and I gotta do both. Mm -hmm. And you know, luckily he told me, "Hey man, don't be like me, bro." He told me real early, "Look, man, don't don't do that hard headed shit I did, man. You don't have to, Joseph. That's not something you have to do." And you know, I I, I hope it's I hope it's coming through in who I am. 100%. That we can still be strong black men, love our women, and let her have her agenda, let her have her thing that she's going to have in this world and walk with her, but at the same time, make sure she's walking with you. Don't let her curry you. <laughs> Don't let her curry you. they curry you. Quit. <laughs> what Cam said, you will say, or they'll simp you. If you let them, listen. <laughs> Yeah. If you let her, she will simp your ass so quick. So quick. I mean, but but it, it's the same as ladies. Don't let him run your life because he'll pimp you real quick. It's the okay. same thing. And so I hope that comes through in who I am and who she, who both of them made me, man. Right, right. I was going to ask, like, uh, just seeing that process, like you said, it took all those years for that whole process to come full circle. First of all, as being, you know, the person who grew up with them as as your parents, the person, you know, the people who you look up to for, you know, right and wrong, good and bad, things like that, seeing that process up until this point, um, how is, has it affected how you interact with your wife and, you know, um, how you live your life uh, in general? Fuck yeah. Look here, man. Whew. So... 
Y'all know what marriage is, man. Marriage, no, marriage is marriage has always been been, been tough. <laughs> what you say, Jay? I said no, we don't. Well, actually, no, we don't. Mike, Mike knows what it is. Mike, Mike knows. How Mike long have you been married, Mike? Uh, nine months. This nigga don't know what it is either. <laughs> so we're good. Nine months, nigga. Nah, you don't. So count. He about to jump about to give you some game, Mike. Go ahead. <laughs> Let me give you this. Let me give everybody this. Yeah. And all right. So if you choose somebody and you say this person, I'm gonna walk with this person to the end. Make sure you're able to walk all the way to fuck to the end. That was the first thing that I learned from my mother and my father's divorce. Mm. In that. The part of it that he thought he was holding up, he wasn't holding up. The walking with us to the end part was the part that in that unit, it couldn't survive. Where his, you know, we talk about frequencies. Jay, he used to be on this other frequency daily. Um, He did have have a substance abuse problem. We found out much later, Mm. but it was a different frequency and where she was going. And then that that loving presence was so strong in the house that the kids going, we know we took straight to our mother. Like this, I mean, you come on, if you got a poet mother, you gonna follow her anyway. You gonna, <laughs> your mother's a poet. She always got raisins in her purse. She, <laughs> she, you know what I'm saying? And she, and she worked at the hospital. So she, you know, she taught us how to count sales and shit like that, and mm-hmm. how to identify, you know, uh, molecular breakup and breakdowns and shit like that. Yeah, you gonna follow this person anyway. Meanwhile, my father's like, you kids need to understand this jazz music and listen to it while I go down here and smoke this reef. I'll be right back. Right. You know, you're gonna be like, okay, dad, we see you when you get back. Right. Yeah. Um, you're gonna take to, so you're gonna take to your mother. You're gonna, I, I'm gonna gravitate to that lady and. What I realized, uh, when by the time I was 15, I had to spend a summer with my pop. He lived on he lived on 14th and Rhode Island, right? Mm. So 14th and Rhode Island was 14th and Rhode Island. Right. It was who? <laughs> <It was, laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Right, right. So you can imagine, I'm coming from I'm coming from Pep Mill Village. I'm getting off the bus. I'm getting off the yellow cheese bus, right? At Pepper Mill Village, I'm walking past the Central Guards, niggas, because they used to throw rocks at you when you go into the subway. I'm hopping on Addison Road subway by myself, and I'm going into D.C. on Friday after I get out of school to go spend a weekend with my dad. Mm. And I got to get off. I get off at McPherson Square, which is right there by a park at 14th. Right. Yep. And I got to walk. I got to walk up to Rhode Island. (laughs) If you come out... (laughs) If you come out the subway station, you make a left, you head it uptown towards Rhode Island. Uh, you know, you go on that way. But if you go this way, about the next two blocks down that way, they had bathhouses. They had the red light jumps like they had in uh in Amsterdam. You had pimps, you had hoes, you had smoke shops, you had all that kind of shit. And uh y'all y'all got to excuse me, but remember when Snoop was like, we don't love them hoes. I was like, speak for yourself, Snoop. Uh, I, 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 I have an affinity for the house. I don't see what's wrong. You tell me what's wrong. Right, right. I don't. I, I don't know what's wrong with them, Snoop. They've been cool. They cool with me. 
And plus, they transaction don't even. Right. <laughs> what you want? Right. What you want? So. Thought it was just me, I swear. Nah, it ain't oh, just God. you. I was, you know, I'm fascinated by that shit. And, and, you know, when I was a kid and going to spend my time with my dad, man, that shit was just like, you know, the, 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 that, 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 that right there was just the mind, most mind blowing thing. And so it was, uh, but then he schooled me out there on 14th Street. If I can, my pop schooled me out on 14th Street. What he used to do was he'd take me out on 14th Street and he'd, he'd, he'd make me have conversations with the homeless people. No bullshit. <laughs> if he could get, if he could get like a pimp to talk to us, if he could get, uh, he was doing uh, interviews back then. Doing, <laughs> right. Damn. Got on Rap City. <laughs> hey, you start early. Shit, I ain't mad at you. <laughs> well, what he would do is he would say shit like this. So he, it, it was, you know, my, they knew my dad, and he'd be like, "So listen, hey y'all." He don't want to do his homework. Tell him what happened when he don't do his homework. What you mean you don't do your homework? <laughs> you better listen to your father. Shit. I wish my father was out here with me. You better do your motherfucking homework. And then and then here come the here come one of the girls. Yeah, tell him, Daddy. Do his motherfucking homework. You want so you can get your money on come get some of this. <laughs> but he gave me, you know what I'm saying? He gave me that. Yeah. And 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 I don't forgot what question we was on, but no, no, I, was, <laughs> I was as how it affected you, you know, seeing seeing that that uh you know that relationship come full circle between your mom and your you dad. Oh, from Rhode Island. Let's yeah. stay there. <laughs> But but with that said, yeah, it makes me come in the house every night. Mm. One of the things I get joned out about is nigga, you washed. How you how you talking about you hip hop and you this and you that nigga? You go in the house every night. And I'm like, you know what? Because that's way more important than this fuck shit y'all out here chasing. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what I learned from him going through that shit. That he didn't have to go through what my mother had. He had a different understanding. And maybe he could have done something for her life had she had a different understanding if he was being what we envisioned. Right, right. And so that's why I come in the fucking house, man. Yeah. I do homework. I do dishes. Um, I sweep the floor at night. Make sure the crumbs and shit is up <laughs> on the floor. What was my wife is in here. Don't. <laughs> he up Mike. My bad, my bad. <laughs> Hold on, I, know, I do all that stuff too, Joe, and I'm I not married. You want to get shit started? Oh my God. <laughs> but I'm not married. I don't. I'm not jeopardizing anything, Mike. Right. No, I, I know. I most certainly need to step up in, the, in those regards. It's just I work long hours. I'm tired, and she's an awesome person. I got great kids. It's like. But damn, it's like she like you know. Can you pick your, your shoes up? I'm like, I just put them right there in the floor. <laughs> hey, my, hey, he go to Wild Pot, and her shoes be right there next right to next you. To <laughs> you. <laughs> just picked them up. You could be over. You could Hold up. Wasn't this on my shoes and your shoes too? Your shit was sitting right here up until 20 <laughs> minutes ago. Why are you yelling at me, lady? Like, anyway, that's a whole number. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Marriage is. I went in the husband mode. Right. I, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk about marriage. Uh, 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 yeah, so, 
So, but yeah, um, taking it in another direction, though. Um, well, kind of keeping it on your your inception or your growth, you know, as an entertainer. Um, you know, uh, I like to talk about inspiration. You know, so who's the funniest person you've ever met? Funniest person I've ever met in my whole entire life is my oldest brother, Steve. Steve is the brother I do the jokes about. He he came out the closet when I was. 11 or 12 years old, mm. right? This is the absolute funniest motherfucking person I have ever met in my whole life. I don't give a fuck about comedians. I don't give a fuck about niggas you think is funny from your block. Mm. I don't give a fuck about this. My brother, and, and, and he go to Eel Park, you know, I bump into cats nowadays who, you know, now they in their 60s or whatever. I'm like, hey man, where your crazy ass brother at? <laughs> Boy, that nigga used to have me dying laughing. You Steven's brother? You not Steven's brother? Yeah, Steven. Oh my God. Where is he? Because he's one of the funniest people ever. And I mean, generally, genuinely, yeah. the funniest person I ever. And this is my big brother. This right. is my oldest brother. Man, he's six foot four. He, he, he. <laughs> this color, y'all see what color this is? He that he black as could be, um, and he just, I mean, he just funny as hell. Like they, they just posted your your stand up. I think it was on what DMV Hood News. I think you was yeah. on that comedy jam. They just posted exactly. Your, your I was on. Shit. I was on Mark Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, I was on yeah, Mark Lawrence yeah, yeah. talking about my brother. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But you exactly. Which that's been a that's been a a real good funny thing. My my question is, so when when he came out to you at, at eleven, you ain't cared, did you? Did you know? I cared at that point. I cared about what other people thought. I cared about um, at this point in time, my parents had already split, and we going through all kinds of shit, so. I didn't want no more stigma. We was already dysfunctional. We was the only kids on our block that didn't have a man in the house. Every, other, every house on our block had a man in it, right? Either it was the, the father or the stepfather or the mother's friend <laughs> who lived in, Mr. Mr. Greg, Mr. Mr. <laughs> Joe, you know, <laughs> you know, that's, you know, Uncle Joe, these cats. And so, um, there was I, I didn't want no more stigmas, and my friend, my, a good friend of mine, reminded me about a time where my brother had just come home. He came home from Tennessee State, and now my mother sat us down right before my a week before my brother came home for summer from Tennessee State, and sat us down and explained to us what it was. He had called her and told her, "Listen, I'm out. Let mm. <laughs> girl, girl, listen. It's too crowded in this closet." Bitch, we out. What you want? <laughs> right? <laughs> and so you can imagine, I'm talking 1981 mm. to 82 in Seat Pleasant in Peppermint. I that was the most, it was like, why don't you you could you you can't do nothing else? You ain't gonna shoot a nigga or something instead. Cause I don't know if that's something that we could carry, right? Right. And but not 
not in a way like stay over there. I love my brother, and we, you know, he he was my caretaker. He was, he took me around. He showed me shit. He, you know, would carry me to work. He worked at the Pentagon for a while. He would take me to work. He he always showed us anything he could show us, and he and he treated so so. I go to the ends of the earth for my brother. Mm. Um, I just didn't want the trip to be so difficult right. <laughs> around the earth. At eleven and twelve years old, those are the feelings that you're gonna you gonna take in. It wasn't until I was about I want to say I was about 17 years old, 18 years old, and I under, started to understand what my brother's plight was. Mm-hmm. And I started to understand that his life is not going to be easy. And the fact that he carries it with so much class and with so much strength, and, and he funny than a motherfucker, he just became like, like that's my hero. Like, like, like that's my like, like, like that's my hero. That's he done put clothes on my back. I don't watch him put clothes on other people's back. I don't watch him deliver people from hell. Um, our home was a home where a lot of uh, uh, gay people came because, you know, on Christmas I would ask why these, you know, it'd be you know six six. You know, three or four gay dudes, and then you know a, a a lesbian woman, and I'm like, why they at our house on Christmas? They ain't with, why they not with their family? And then my brother explains that they can't go home. Right. Their parents don't accept them. They, um, they don't have anywhere to go. Some of it, some of them at the time had been kicked out as early as 13 or 14 years old, and been living on the streets all this time. And so once I understood what all that shit meant, yeah, he became my hero. And then. Uh, while I was at uh, while I was at Morgan State University, my brother called me and explained to me that he was HIV positive, mm-hmm. and he's still around today. So you could imagine the shit I've seen him have to go through, right, right, right. in this life. Um, and <laughs> and he carried it with a smile. Shit. Right. Shit, that's my nigga, and I'll roll with that nigga to the ends of the earth over anybody. I don't give a fuck who you bring up. Right. Yeah. I, I want to ask you something. So I, I sit here and I watch you, and I, I heard you use two words, right? You said motherfucker and fuck so fluently, like they just, <laughs> it felt so, so great, right? But I also watched you hold a gospel, a, 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 um, a Christian uh, audience. And you captivated them with yes, yeah. You captivated them with 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 nuances and and comedy that you didn't you didn't you didn't you didn't. The punchline was in all of it. It was in and how you need not say much of anything. You just kept. I, it's like you felt like you was. It was like a pocket. It was in a pocket. And I was like, I was watching. It, I was like, how is he not cussing right now? Because this shit is funny as hell. But you don't have to cuss. And when you don't have to cuss, and you funny to me. If you if you make somebody appeal on yourself, you ain't say a bad word. It's a bad motherfucker. You know what I mean? And I appreciate. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. I so appreciate you, you that. You said it was a question, Mike. Do you have a question, or you just want to tell him with accolades? I know Dave and turned into me. Like, right. Hey, I know. Somebody has to do it since you're not around, Jay. 
<laughs> so the, so my, my question was, how the fuck question, did you do? How the fuck did you? You just you speaking to us real? How did you? Because because you know when you when you're there, you can't say certain words, but you can look at a motherfucker like motherfucker. You, you ain't got how you say motherfucker. You just, you motherfucker. <laughs> he, just, he go to he go to wild shit. The church crowd, the Christian crowd, is the same crowd as the Saturday night crowd. There's mm -hmm. only a few people in that crowd that. There's only a few people in the Christian crowd that ain't had a drink on Saturday night. And I know that. We are all, look, man, we human beings. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't put anybody in superhero status, man. Um, and you know, being from DC, man, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We don't, we don't, we don't let shit shake us, right? So if the if the audience is a Christian audience, okay, I'm gonna let y'all wear y'all Christian robe today. You have on your Christian air. I know you personally are a drinker. I can see it in your. I can see the Newports and <laughs> and the brown liquor in your face. Right. I know that face since I was four. Right. I don't give a fuck if we we could be taping this special on the moon. I know that face. <laughs> I know a shit. I know a Miller High Life face. I know a motherfucking. <laughs> Shit, still reserved face. I know. <laughs> and and at the same time, you know, because of who my parents are, how I grew up, I understand all of our humanity. And at the end of the day, I'm hoping that the things that are coming out of my mouth hit your humanity um, in a way that you can receive it. So in that Christian jump, make sure there ain't no cuss words in there. But Make sure the motherfuckers is in there. Right. <laughs> if you understand what I'm saying, I get it. Because get you it. understand, but and let's let's not even let's keep it above fifty. You know, everybody in the church <laughs> when you start hollering it, you know, you see your man, you be like, I thought you was in the, with the church now. Hey man, Jesus was in the street. Right. Don't be <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey man, don't hit me with that. Jesus was in the street. See, you need to read the scripture, Joe. So you know what I'm saying. <laughs> It's both ways, right? And right. I'm hoping. Thank you, Mike, because I, I swear I'll be scared. I'll be up there nervous that it won't be funny without the cuss word. Mm. You I'm, know, you, you know, it was. I, I forgive me. I'm not gonna ask you to pull the. I washed a wash one, and you were, you had them, and and you had you had everybody from the front to the back, and you had to. You just kept saying yes. I think you were speaking about some type of a. Uh, you were Bobby. You know, I was doing a Bobby Jones impersonation. My look, my have. I don't even know. I had I had to like Google who he was. I was like, oh yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, it is it's love. It's love because if we can laugh about the shit, let's let's move on. Let's laugh. Let's laugh. It's I real. I mean, I, I want to laugh about all that shit. I don't know what it is about that one perform. Mikey called me after he watched <laughs> it. It was like, yo, have you seen Joe Claire or the Bobby Jones? I was like, nah, I, I'm, I'm gonna pull it up though. He was like, yo, watch that. So it, it just intrigued how, you know, but that's, you know, as comedians, like you said, you got to have that in your arsenal to be able to work that in there without actually having the words in there. It's a, or you, know, or you got to need a paycheck like a mother because you're going there. That's, that's, that's tough. Like, that's tough because you, but, you but can't I say no bad word. You can't say one bad word. Like, you say one bad word, everybody like, oh, and then, Right, 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 right. <laughs> like, what do you say? So I, I like to think that I'm going right up to the edge of that. I feel like I, I hope I'm going right up to the edge of when it becomes inappropriate. 
Right. And, and you know, and the, the, the reaction, the, I ain't going to front, the first time I did a church crowd and saw their reaction, it blew my mind. Mm. I was like, y'all laughing at this? <laughs> and I ain't, oh, for real? Oh, keep going, Joe. Don't, don't let them know yet. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And then you get off stage, you be like, man, I can't believe they ain't laughing at this, man. Because, you know, you go to, you go to like a, <laughs> like a real, I, we have, well, in comedy, we have this mainstream comedy, and then they have what they call the chitlin circuit, right? Right. So, uh, in the Def Jam era, that became like what we call them, the nigga rooms, right? We call them nigga rooms, because you know who going to be in there. It's going to be Friday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. They drinking brown liquor, for sure. All the brown going to be gone. The menu don't got nothing above it, nothing above a chicken wing on it. You got wings. You might have a shrimp. You might have a shrimp basket, right. but it's gonna be them little I mean, shrimp baskets. Right, right, right. Remember that? Right. <laughs> Y'all remember that little shrimp basket you used to get from Young? <laughs> <laughs> Young. Yeah. Y'all got a shrimp basket for three dollars. Right. Give me that. Give me that. <laughs> It'd be, like, it be them shrimp. It'd be the seahorses and shit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so you go in them rooms, and when you go to tell jokes in there, man, you gotta, you can't, you can't be no slouch because right. they gonna eat your ass up. And I had to do them rooms from in some of the hardest neighborhoods in America. <clears throat> you hear me? In some of the hardest neighborhoods in America. They used to have this place called uh, Jimmy's Bronx Cafe. You in the Bronx, right? Like you in the Bronx. <laughs> you in the motherfucking Bronx, South Bronx. Right, right. You see why they made up hip hop music. Right, right. <laughs> you see why they should, <laughs> why the world gotta be so damn tough. Right. You, saw <laughs> you saw that shit, right? And it's Saturday night, and the show don't start till eleven thirty. So you ain't getting on stage before two two fifteen in the morning. And nigga, you better bring. And the stage, the stage is like two of my desks put together, <laughs> small as shit, so the whole place can see you. Right. And these Bronx niggas expect you to be fired, right. and if you ain't, they gonna eat your ass up. You might not make it out that motherfucker. Wow. And you know, here I come straight out of DC, C Pleasant, Morgan State, represent BT. I'm on Rap City. They already like, fuck this nigga. He ain't from New York and he on Rap City. Right, right. Fuck, fuck he about to do. This nigga, what he about to host us to death, nigga? Who <laughs> fuck is he about to do? And you know how New York, and New York niggas is, is and, and women is rap, even the women. Right. Fuck is you about to do? You better be funny, Joe Clear. You better fucking be funny. No, word up, Myra. No, on some real shit, Myra. You better fucking be funny. You know, they still, New York be having them names still. No, nah, Myra, no, My, Myra, hold on a second. Fuck that. Joe Clay, you better be fucking funny when we get in here. You know what I'm saying? And so you got to fucking bring it. You got to fucking bring it. But the shift is, if you know how to bring it to them, when you get in front of a Christian audience, and you say one thing and they laughing, you be like, man, this is the easy, this, all this, man, how long y'all need me to stay up here? I can stay up here all day. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, so that's the, 
that's the thing, Mike. That's the um, that's the strength of of being a comic. And and, and I swear to God, it ain't because I'm some gifted individual. It's because I'm scared from the Bronx. One of these Bronx niggas might be in this Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, get off the stage. Be word up. Right. Sorry, Pastor. I apologize, Pastor. You know what I mean? Right. Was it an easy transition from being a journalist or interviewing to actually trying to? And what what came first? Was you? Comedy came people? first. So comedy, comedy came was, first. So you, you try to you try to stand up first. Stand up first. Yeah, stand up. Stand up. Was, I started. I started doing stand up when I was in college. My senior year of college was my first real show, mm-hmm. and it and and I and and I, and look, I went down to a real nightclub. And I was doing these college jokes on a real nightclub, man. They started booing me, right? They started booing me. And I found the nigga who was booing me and I joined this motherfucker ass. I came with everything. I'm coming with all them joints. You feel what I'm saying? Hey, Jay, I told him, man, are you just mad? Cause your uncle used to jerk his dick and have a conversation with you at the same time. That's right. That's right. The crowd. You hear me? The crowd fell out, and this old nigga went and bought me a drink. He bought me a drink and handed it to me while I was still on stage. I was like, oh, this is the life for me. Yes, indeed. But yeah, stand-up was first. And then Rap City came just because, uh, to Jay's point, I didn't like the representation of of who hip-hop journalists were. They always made us characterizations of of who, you know, I, I respect Andre, but Andre had to toe the line for New York hip hop at the time and being on MTV. So MTV made it, it was real. They could never be serious. Um, they wouldn't, you know, I'm watching, I'm, I, I need to see Chuck D be able to explain himself. I need to see, I need to be able to see KRS-One explain himself um, and, and get deep, deep, deep into you know, what the arc means and, and why I need to understand, um, you know, Chesimar and 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 uh, Asada and and all of these things that these guys have been giving me. And I and I didn't see that on MTV. So I started calling BET like maybe I can get on Rap City one day. Maybe 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 I could be on. Maybe I could be on there and talk about it from a, a, a kid who graduated with a degree and loved his music and love who we are. And that's how Rap City came about. Journalists. <laughs> hey, journalists said journalists. Nigga, I ain't no journalist. <laughs> I think you redefine what journalists mean. So yeah, because because hey, look, like um, so I had um, we had DJ Gemini on here a couple of weeks ago, and I was okay. telling him how um, like like he's a dope DJ, like one of the best DJs in this area. But one of the reasons I became a fan of his was because of some of his interviews. And the same thing with, like, you have some of the most prolific, and I know people, you know, uh, tell you this all the time, but some of the best interviews in in the, in hip-hop and, you know, TV, like, so can we, let's talk about Rap City a little bit, man. Like, um, what was your, like, uh, did you have, like, a favorite interview? Like, one where you was like, yeah, I nailed that one. Like, that one is perfect. Like, do you have um, one? Nah. Not really? Nah. Nah, I'm, I'm, I was always, I was always, <laughs> I was always scared that I was looking too much like a fan on camera. Okay. Every interview I did, I was always like, all right, so you got to understand, if you come from the DMV, we already know 
y'all not the city ain't letting us get away with bomber shit. Point blank period. Not even an inch. We don't get an inch for bomber shit. And so if you on there looking like you these niggas biggest fame, hey Joe Murray, mind the fuck is you doing, Slim? Hey man, look at this nigga, man. This nigga over here talking to these rappers like, why ain't get the fuck my slap one? You know. Right, right. <laughs> I'm from my smack, man. Fuck Rock Kim. I smack Rock Kim. <laughs> you know, that's how DC niggas is, right. right? And so, so I was always scared that I was looking too much like a fan because the art of hip hop, the the actual riding a beat with a poem that makes you think and dance at the same time, you a bad motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. That don't exist nowhere else on the planet. Yeah. Don't can't nobody do that. Right. Can't nobody. I mean, if you think about it, there's you had to have America in order to have a KRS one, in order to have a Jay-Z. Yeah. You couldn't have you couldn't have those artists. I mean, show me where else on the planet. Right. Right. Anywhere right. else on the planet. People with us can make that kind of shit and it go and shake up the world. Right, change how they do. Like, there's people in Japan and, you know, China to try to, you know, get cornrows and and, be and, and, and and try to ride the beat in Japanese. Right. They done tried to ride, they done tried to ride the beat in every language on the planet. Hey. All for some South Bronx shit. That's crazy. Yeah. The art, so for me, oh, and I'm sorry, I got my degree in psychology at Morgan State, but I started as an art major. Okay. So for me, the, the creative part of, of a motherfucker being able to do that was is yeah. blows my mind. Yeah. It blow, and, and then you meet these dudes, and these dudes are like, yeah, I'm from the project. I'm like, you from the project? Right. And you you know how to make this incredible shit? Right. How? How explain it to me? Explain this to me. Explain it to me. Yeah. And so that's that. Um yeah. my my favorite, um, or one of my favorite interviews happened when I <laughs> I got to meet the Woo, right? Okay. And um, and uh, I forgot whose album it was, but all the Woo came. And and Dirt walked up to one of our producers and said, pardon me, would you happen to have any lotion in your purse? I don't want to be on TV looking ashy. Would you happen to have any lotion? And it fucked me up that the old dirty bastard started the conversation, started his sentence with, pardon me. <laughs> to this day, I still say pardon me in everyday speak when I'm on the train, anywhere, because I picked it up from him. OD. That's no bullshit. That's crazy. Um, I interviewed, uh, I interviewed Bone Thugs and Harmony on St. Clair. Right wow. on East 99 and St. Clair, and and we almost got shot, robbed. <laughs> I was almost caught him in a in a in, in shooting a nigga. <laughs> 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 and and I and I and I might have witnessed some human human trafficking. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> this shit was so real, right. and so that's why. And that's kind of why, Jay, and, and, and for everybody's point, that's kind of why I still give these rappers a bit of a pass for the shit that's in their music. Mm -hmm. um, 
given my relationship to uh to hip hop to hip hop music to the art form and watching you know watching a guy take all the fuck that he knows and turn it into something mm-hmm. for me it's, it's always going to get an applause you I, I might not bump you in my car but i'm damn sure going to cheer for you brother real shit yeah and and speaking to that like um you talked also a little bit about like the impact of hip hop you know around the world and it's easy to forget how impactful it is all over yeah. the world like i was uh i think i was telling mike and i had a conversation uh when dmx passed away and uh just seeing all of the stuff that was going on around that time um all the all the outpouring the love to his family to everything how many people he touched and yeah. uh, you know just uh 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 gave like hope to and, and thought all over the world is it's interesting to see that and um uh, earlier i was talking to mike about about your music and about how uh noticing uh, from uh, the mixtape, uh, New Music for Old Niggas. Like, yes, sir. Dope. And um, so how much passion you put into music and, like, the, the that same amount of passion that you put into comedy, it's hard to see, like, do you have one that you love more or is, is it Well, let me say this. Um, if I could, if I had the money, I would sit down here and I would make beats all day, yeah. every day. That's That's what I would do. I would get up in the morning, make music. Um, not necessarily. I don't necessarily gotta be the rapper. Um, I would just. I would. I. But you should though. You good at it, man. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, man. Yeah. That um. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Um. Yeah. That um. You know, with the with the rap shit, it's like you hear no so many times because you're a comedian. Mm. Because you have this other life, because I've been a host and a radio guy, that you know, man, get the fuck out of here with that rap shit, yo. You don't know what the fuck you doing, yeah. right? Yeah. But the the same passion that that kid. Let's go back to DMX. Yeah. Everybody saw the Rough Riders uh, story. The uh, what did they call it on BET when they did the Rough Riders docu series, yeah. right? mm-hmm. and how. X was living in a hole in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. He was living in a hole in Baltimore with a dog writing rhymes. There's, there's no start, stardom and celebrity is eight trillion miles away. And mm-hmm. this motherfucker is sitting here hitting this joint in a hole. Like you said, a hole, H O L E? H O L E. I must have, I, I thought you said a home. You said uh, he was living in a hole? He, I didn't see remember, that. Remember, um, Juan and Dean, D said that they found he was staying in Baltimore in a, in a, in an abandoned row house. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. You could just mm-hmm. go into him. So he, there's not oh, a door. Yeah, not a squatter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nah, yeah. Not, not like a literal hole. So the door was like here. But you know how the bricks come out the wall? It's oh. a literal. Oh, in the house that you used to get to get in the joint. Get in and here this cat is, <laughs> and they they find this cat who will later go on to become DMX in here writing rhymes with a dog. Who he never DMX never thought that he would shake up a motherfucker in France or somebody in Japan or he that wasn't even on his that was that was the furthest thing from his mind. Right. And so for me. I parallel that to 
people we read in scripture who came from nothing and shook up the world. People you read in mythology right. who came from nothing and shook up the world. People they make great, who America calls great classic literature, who came from nothing and shook up the world. So to actually witness it, right? I interviewed DMX. I kicked right. it with DMX. I smoked bloods with DMX. Right. Hey, yeah, I got a funny story about DMX, right? Very similar to your old dirty bastard story, right? <laughs> I was in LA working. I was, I was working for BET. And, uh, you know, a whole bunch of people, as you know, come through the studio all the time. I never really want to go meet anybody because it's that DC shit. Like, I don't give a fuck, nigga. Fuck that nigga. <laughs> they was like, yo, DMX in the green room. And I was like, all right, this, this is a nigga. I want to meet, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because so, I mean, like several people have been like, Jay came through. They're like, you want to go see Jay? I was like, nah, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? I'm chilling. That anyway, real nigga shit, it's, it's, a, it's a thread that run through all the real niggas today, you know. Yeah, I just, hey, man, like, we be like, man, fuck that nigga. Like, I don't really care, but I was like, yo, DMX, are you trying to meet DMX? I'm like, oh yeah, definitely. I want to definitely meet DMX. So I walk into the, the dressing room, right? DMX, Earl Simmons. This nigga is sitting in the chair getting a motherfucking manicure. <laughs> and, uh, so he got his little hand in the water, you know, like they put this in the no, water. No, what's up? No, it's good. You know, what's up, you So he, he take the joint out, wipe it off. He's like, yeah, he pound me up. He's like, what's up? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would have never in my life imagined like this thing be getting the manicure. <laughs> Hold on, what he do, Jay? He's like, hey, what's up? Hold on, hey, what's up? <laughs> Like DMX, <laughs> who would have thought? You know what I'm saying? But hey. so he was so cool, so regular, so down to earth. Like he stopped his manicure to dab me up. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, oh, hold on, what's going on, man? All right. yeah. and, you know who would have just who would have imagined in their mind, like, like right, <laughs> walking with his hands in the little water. right, right. <laughs> oh, hold on, what's up, man? All right. Wild shit. <laughs> what you said about him, that, that humanity about him was real. Because mm -hmm. I was telling him, you know, um, the week that he died when we did the show, I was telling him, like, when I was in um, New York, we was working with uh, the company. Uh, the company that we were working with was distributed by uh, Def Jam. And so we they had got tickets to the uh, fashion show. Um, and I told the story already. But basically, uh, he came, he pulled up. We were standing outside waiting to go in. And the, his car looked like the Batmobile. He had, he shot past and then he backed up. Went to park and went all up on the curve and stuff. We was like, that nigga can't drive. And DMX hop out the car. It was him, but it was like five of us standing over there. One nigga, the dude who ran the company, he knew. He came and dapped him up, but then every nigga out there, he made an appointment. What's up? But it was crazy because he was like, What's up? I'm DMX. Like, we didn't know who he was. <laughs> like, I think I know who you are. But yeah, but it was just cool that he made an appointment to speak to everybody out there as opposed to this, you know, this little, little stuff like that that made his, you know, humanity shine and through. And thus, and thus, thus, you can see the outpouring of love when he passed. Exactly, exactly. You know what I mean? You, you got you. It, it, it didn't, it didn't shock me when I saw all them people, you know, lining up behind that truck to carry his casket. Because X was something else. Now I gotta fuck y'all head up. The last time I saw X was in Bowie at the Texas Roadhouse. Y'all know Texas Roadhouse in Bowie? Yeah. I seen X at the Texas Roadhouse in Bowie about a year and a half ago. On some no bullshit. He had just this. He had just gotten out. He had just gotten out and was coming back to the world. His kids live here, and and I and I saw him in, in out at the Texas Roadhouse in Boyd. 
my my man who was uh my man's daughter who babysits my kids had the kids at Texas Roadhouse. She said, I I I think um this rapper named DMX is up here. <laughs> I said, what he look like? It, it looked like DMX. I said, All right. <laughs> <laughs> that is, it looked like, like his name should be DMX. So yeah, you should come up here, Uncle Joe. <laughs> and sure enough, X, so I walk in, he's like, oh, what's good? I said, yeah. hey, good to see you. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it's I, I, I revere rappers. I revere, I revere musicians so much. Anybody who can, who can actually make it. Because what you're doing is you, you're taking, you're taking words, phrases, notes, and actually making somebody feel an emotion. Right. Man. That's a, that's a hell of a power. Yeah. That's a hell of a power to be able to say some shit and make and, and make a grown motherfucker learn it. Right. Like, yeah. like you grown. You from DC. Fuck all these niggas. But you know that <laughs> rhyme, though. Right, right. Word for word. Word for word, that shit. He a bad motherfucking mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, wow. Definitely, definitely. So, yeah, it's a bunch of things I want to ask. I'm gonna try to stick with um with, with Rap City for a second. Yes, sir. So, so uh, so you said um those are you mentioned a couple of your favorite uh interviews. Do you have any that didn't go how you want, or you was like, man, I wish, you know, uh, or maybe somebody was a little out there when you interviewed them or right. anything like there's, that. There's two. Okay. All right. So. The first, the hardest, the hardest Rap City interview was trying to interview Mob Deep. And we were doing the interview in a limousine. And these niggas, <laughs> these niggas came to DC. I swear we got there the, the, at, at maybe 10 30, 11 o'clock in the morning to do the interview. And these niggas was hammered. <laughs> you hear me? Anybody ever seen uh Ricky Bobby Talladega Nights? Yes, yeah, yeah. I like to picture Jesus in a <laughs> in playing Leonard Skinner, and I'm in the front row and I'm hammered. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they was hammered, and they holding down queens and thug shit at the same time. So every all that came out their mouth is keeping it real. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know we just keeping it real. You know what I'm saying? Every question I ask and at the time, I'm trying to throw them, them, them hip hop, uh, rap, uh, interview words in. So at the at the at the genesis of this project, you know, what was your boom, 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 boom when you was making trife life? Because I noticed that it, you know, just keeping it real, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the whole shit's about keeping it real, you know what I'm saying? And then they stop. <laughs> I'm like, so I gotta fill up and fill in and pull out, and so we finally got the interview. So that was one of the, that was one of the ones that was a little difficult. Right, right. The um, oh shit, my bad. Hold on, hold on. You good? <laughs> oh shit, okay. I ain't turn on. I ain't put it on airplane mode. My bad. Okay. <laughs> the um, the uh, second one was the second one was um, I had to interview George Clinton. I know he was blasted. Yeah. Off everything. Yeah. He was uh he was he was he was gone. But yeah. it wasn't him. It wasn't him. I was fucked up because I'm his biggest fan. Mm. And I couldn't I that interview sucked because I was just I was <laughs> fighting. I just 
you can't ask George Clinton regular questions, man. You right, just, right. if I see you ask George Clinton regular questions, I might smack the shit out of you. That's disrespectful. <laughs> right. That's that's straight up and not disrespectful. Uh, I hate to do this, but I need to jump. Uh, that call was from my sister, and uh, we are in the middle of a family thing. And if she called I twice, I think I need to take that call. Definitely, um, definitely. Thank you so much for doing it. We wrapping up anyway. It's 8.30, man. So thank you so much for joining us, man. This has been great. Got to get you to come back through and kick it with us again. But, man, it's Please. always fun when you come through. Uh, uh, you're an amazing dude. And I, I, tell, I always tell people, like, one of the reasons I do this show is just to get people on here that I admire and let them know how dope they are and, you know, give people their flowers. You know what thank I'm saying? you, man. And you're one of the ones, man, definitely. So uh, we'll be in touch, man. Hope all is, uh, hope all is well. Um, Me too. So uh yeah, uh, oh, real, in your real quick, Joe, real quick, Joe, I cashed you in my movie. I ain't tell you yet, but yeah, you are gonna get a call soon, nigga. Let's go. All right, I'm down. <laughs> I'm down. All right, so yeah, on behalf of myself, Super Dave, aka Mister Incredible, Just Mike, Jason, Aisha, and Patrice Fruitfit Jones. This has been another episode. Oh, and our illustrious guest, look, I almost got our illustrious guest, Joe Claire. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been another episode of the Neighborish Livecast. We'll be back next week with more information, more entertainment, more interviews, and more fun. Y'all have a great week. Peace. Thanks, Dave. All right, man. Bye.